It is Wednesday, and that means it is Lawyer Talk Blitz Wednesday, and that means that we are going to interface with the Blitz 99.7 here at Lawyer Talk, and we're going to take on all legal questions that come their way. They get patched right over to us, Steve Palmer here in 511 Studio C with Lawyer Talk. The usual crew, again, not here. Uh, we are in the summer doldrums, I guess, and uh, things are a little slow, but I'm holding down the fort. Um, we are going to take questions, obviously, with the Blitz. But uh, I'm also going to address a couple other questions that I've received on the website. And if you have your own question, if you didn't get through to the Blitz, uh, or you uh, just want to ask me a question, uh, you can look us up at at, uh, LawyerTalkPodcast.com. Right there at LawyerTalkPodcast.com, there's a little email interface that uh, lets you type out a question, send it to me, I get it, I answer it uh, right here on the air on the podcast. Or if you want real, so to speak, legal advice, or you need help with a legal problem uh, of any sort, you can give me a shout at my law firm. That's Yavich and Palmer, OhioLegalDefense.com for that website. Uh, or just give us a shout, 614-224-6142. And I always recommend that everybody just put that number right in your phone so you have it when you need it. That means when you're pulled over or somebody's knocking on your door or you're engaged in something else, uh, legal or illegal or whatever it would be, you've got somebody to call and it's in your phone. You don't have to even take the time to look it up. So uh, all that introductory stuff aside, uh, we are waiting to interface with the Blitz. And while I do that, I wanted to point out a couple questions I had. Um, uh, you know, it's remarkable right now. It seems like after everything opened up uh, from the pandemic, all the trials across the state were sort of on hold, meaning uh, nobody was bringing in juries. Courts uh, just didn't want the risk of COVID spread in their courthouse or in their county or wherever it is. And uh, then when things opened back up, it seems like it was like shot out of the cannon trial time, meaning uh, those cases that had been delayed for months and months and months, maybe even over a year, were now getting tried. The juries were called in and uh, they were uh, they were getting prosecuted. So I've had a lot of questions and calls upstairs at the law firm as well as here on our on our Lawyer Talk website about the appellate practice and, and how do you appeal if you've been convicted because it seems like there's just been this uh, more trials means more convictions. Hopefully you, you didn't get convicted, but if you did, then you, you can appeal. You want to challenge the court's uh, or you want to challenge the jury's verdict convicting you or the court's decisions or whatever it would be. And I've got a few questions I'm going to answer about that after I interface with the Blitz and we can uh, we can go in some more detail with it. But generally speaking, if you got other questions, just give us a shout. Now, in the meantime, it looks like the Blitz is ready to interface. So stand by. We are hooking up now. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Loper and Randy in the morning with Steve Palmer. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, man. Uh, great to have you on. And we've talked about this in the past, uh, but, but more like in a what-if kind of situation. The vaccine requirements are, are getting really intense, especially with people that are unvaccinated, obviously, uh, that are returning to work. And certain people are getting pressure from employers. Uh, I'll give you an example on a very large scale. The offspring allegedly just kicked their drummer out of the band for this tour because he would not get vaccinated. Yeah, I saw that, which is, it's crazy to me. But yeah, there's a lot of that kind of, and there's more coming, more of that controversy coming for sure. What do you think about that? Like, where are we with this? Well, you know, there's two different ways you can look at it. Uh, Should the government be able to uh, step in and stop employers from mandating vaccines by some sort of uh, act of government, whether it's law or rule or something else? Uh, 
Um, and then on the other hand, if uh, should they require employers to mandate vaccine? It's really the same sort of power that they'd be exercising. So if you look at it from a purely libertarian standpoint, you would say, well, the government really shouldn't tell me, my private business, whether I should mandate vaccines or not. And, you know, if my employees don't like it, they can leave. Um, now, on the other hand, the government has sort of stepped into that role anyway, and they're pushing this uh, relentlessly. And uh, I think under the under the bigger powers of the government, there's going to be pressure put to bear by the federal government to force employers to mandate vaccines. And it happens very subtly. You know, it might happen with uh, even the passive threat of government funding or, or lack of government funding on on uh, banks or transportation industry or whatever it would be within the states uh, to force that. So I guess, what do I think of it? I hate it. I, I don't think it's the federal government or the state government's business to mandate or tell employers what they can do. But if, if you're going to get, if you could just strip all the regulation out of it and just say, all right, the employers get to choose uh, what they do. Um, and then I would think the market itself would sort that out. Um, I think there's a big problem coming with, with uh, liability. Anybody who's read the waivers on the vaccines would know that you can't really sue anybody if, uh, if it turns out that uh, you are injured or harmed by the vaccine. And there are certain people that just are, they're high risk. Like, you know, the drummer, uh, for instance, had an autoimmune disorder that it would be, it's, it's really risky for him to get the shot. Um, so to be treated differently is, uh, it, it's troubling. There's, there's no provision for folks who just can't get it either ideologically or uh, actually physically from a health standpoint. Okay. And from a, from a standpoint of actually legally, is there anything like, I mean, I, I say loosely, like in the constitution that protects people from not having to do that? Or is there some sort of federal law? An example is I found this, and I don't know for it to be a hundred percent legal, or to be a legal document, but a, a supposed lawyer on Reddit gave a draft of a letter citing different federal guidelines of why it's illegal for employers to enact this vaccine policy. And they said, you know, people should put their employer's name where it says dear and then best, and they should put their name after the comma. Uh, what do you think about something like that? Yeah, I'd like to read the letter. I, I haven't done that kind of, I haven't done the research to read it, but uh, I, I like where he's going with it. I, I, I think what would solve this is if there were known liability. In other words, if I'm an employer and I force my employee to get the vaccine and they um, they get sick or harmed or, or, you know, heaven forbid they die as a result of it or something really bad happens, then if I have a risk of being sued or held responsible for that, then I'm not going to mandate it, right? I'm not going to dig into my employee's uh, private health decisions. And then you also have this uh, big federal monster act called HIPAA that in theory uh, protects and privatizes people's medical records. And then, you know, if you, if you dig into this even further, and I'm sure this is where this lawyer is going, is that this is still considered experimental in the sense that it hasn't gone through the normal testing process of uh, other drugs and vaccines that, um, that have come out in the past. So I, I, don't, I don't like that employers can mandate the vaccine with impunity. Uh, without fear of getting repercussions of lawsuits, et cetera. And uh, I, I, I'm, I haven't seen one way or another whether that will be the case. I think that's going to that's gonna emerge and it's going to create a body of law and it's just going to have to unfold over the next or the coming years. Um, but if I'm an employee and I'm being forced to get a vaccine and I'm worried about it for my own health reasons, 
then I would sign that letter. I would make every I would make it known that this is a this is an employer employee decision that is premised upon private health care, that uh, there isn't uh, adequate testing for the vaccine, that it's still considered experimental in the sense that uh, you're waiving any uh, injury or harm by getting it. Um, I, I would. I, w- I would advocate for yourself or get an attorney to do it for you. And there are lawyers throughout the country that are or actually the world, frankly, that are starting to come out on some of this stuff. So uh, I, I know that's not a, that's a long winded answer that doesn't really answer the question, but it, it's it's coming. All right. We do have Carol on line one. Let's uh, let's go there first. Carol, how are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Morning, Carol. I, I have a question that's Pretty basic, but Steve might not be able to answer it. I had a friend uh, went right from court on a Friday into a county jail, and he ended up in the hospital. His wife went to visit him on a Sunday evening, and they said he was in the hospital. And it's been two weeks, and they will not let her see him in the hospital. Is that against her basic rights as a spouse? Ah, uh, yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I can't answer it. I don't know. I would have to know more information as to what the hospitalization was or why they're saying she mm-hmm. she can't visit. Is it for security reasons? Is it for health reasons? Do you know? Uh, I, she has not said why they say she can't visit. They just say she can't visit because, it, well, because he's in custody. Yeah, so that sounds like he's security in reasons. Or yeah. in the hospital. Is she able to get updates at least on the status of his health and what's going on? Not necessarily, well, probably because he didn't sign a paper, of a power of health thing, but um, she basically that he's still there. That's about all she can get out of him. Yeah, I would think there's a way to hack through this. I don't think that, uh, I, I think there is a constitutional uh, implication here. The Eighth Amendment uh, discusses yep. rights of prisoners and, and how that should work, and that's been interpreted in different ways, and, and you can't. I don't know this for sure, but I would guess there is case law out there, probably from the U.S. Supreme Court, that discusses when and how this can happen and how broadly they can implement security measures to prevent visitation when somebody's sick in the hospital, particularly if it's a condition that's serious. Um, you know, that could eventually this becomes cruel and unusual because if he's uh, uh, if it's a life or death type thing, you know, he's being deprived of visitation with his loved ones, and I, I think that's going to end up being a problem. But I would, um, like anything, you know, you're going to catch more flies with honey. I would, I would have her really, really push and, and ask why and what's going on and, you know, when can she come see him. And, and if she needs some legal help, uh, she should enlist the help of a lawyer to maybe reach out on her behalf and say, listen, uh, we're not asking for much here. We need information and we want some visitation. All right, Steve, yeah. thanks so much, man. Okay, uh, thank, thank you, thank Carol. You. All right, we have uh, another text. This is from Michael. I live on the hilltop. They're putting sidewalks down my street, and my house lives there. My house is right there. My question is, is it legal to have my dog barking at 9.30 a.m.? Well, because there are workers next to my house, all right? The police came and asked either calm my dog down or put him up. He's on a chain, and he can't reach them. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know the answer. I'd have to look at the uh, at the regulations on this, but it does seem sort of unfair. It's like the dog is only barking because government workers are there. And uh, if the government workers weren't there, the dog wouldn't bark. And now they're saying you have to do something to prevent it. I, I, you know, the path of least resistance here would be to to bring the dog in at least in the morning when the, when the workers are there. But it sounds like they're but I, I don't know from the text whether this is like an all-day thing. It's not just because it's 9.30 in the morning. It's because the workers are right. probably there all day, and the dog's just barking all day and bugging the workers. Um, 
I don't know what the law is on that. I'd be happy to research. Give me a shout. 614-224-6142. Uh, I'll look it up and if I can quickly and give you a quick answer and uh, and uh, help you through the problem. Yeah, I feel like, what, what can you say with something like that? I mean, like, you know, it's my cool. dog. I'll let them know. Yeah, hey. I, I live here. My dog lives here. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I told him to Did stop see- barking. He just didn't listen. Right. That's like telling yeah. a, a toddler to be quiet. You're like, okay. Guy's just unruly. All right, 99700 on text. Uh, we have a few more rolling in here before Steve goes. We do. All right. Um, man, this is a long one. It says... I'm not sure about how much a workman's comp lawyer you may or may not know, okay, how much you know about it. But however, back in April, I was involved in an auto accident while on the clock. I work for an auto lot and I maintain a lot by moving their own cars and delivering them to customers. While waiting to turn onto Broad Street in West Columbus that day, a vehicle who was driving the, um, I guess, driving excessive up to 75 miles oh, per so hour. At an excessive speed. Yeah, yeah, lost control of the vehicle doing a 360 in the road there, rear-ended, hit my driver door with me being at a standstill. Right now, I'm trying to work with one of the law firm to resolve the issue and get some form of payment. However, there's been a lot of snags considering the guy who hit me did not have insurance Ooh. and did not have a license. And apparently... Oh. Can my coworkers seem like he was a little on the high side? And I'm also looking him up in the Franklin County records. He had to learn under his name for an arrest. The guy never spent any jail time and currently is only being charged with a $450 fine. And the wall company I'm currently working with just keeps coming up with excuses to prolong this process. What are my options? All right, so he he learned his name by looking up uh, the actual... Yeah, the crash. The car report. crash, the auto accident. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, so Thank you for helping man. me yeah. decipher that. All right, Steve, what do you think, man? I, I think you need a workers' comp attorney. If you're trying to run this gambit on your own, uh, you're going to quickly run into so much red tape bureaucracy, lawyers, et cetera, that it's going to be miserable. Um, Is this a Dave Goldstein question? Uh, it may be. Um, I, I've also got some workers' comp attorneys I can have uh, have this gentleman talk to, but it, it would start with a call to me, and I'd be happy to get the referral out. But you know, generally, workers' comp, if you're hurt or injured on the job, then it's a worker's comp claim. And it sounds like you're not getting any help out of the other guy's insurance because he didn't have any insurance. Uh, so now the issue is, can you get compensated for your injuries or damages um, in worker's comp or some other way, either from your employer's insurance or something like that? And uh, you know, there's a couple different pools of money that are out there and hopefully there is a solution. So yeah, give me a shout, 614-224-6142. We'll have you talk to Dave and or another worker's comp lawyer. So- We'll get All right, so up. we do have uh, another phone call here. Yeah, yeah this, this was interesting. Kim says, good morning, everybody. Question for Steve. I have a neighbor putting up a barbed wire fence in a residential neighborhood. Is that allowed? <laughs> uh, they're going for like a Southwest motif. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Arizona's hot right now. <laughs> a barbed wire yeah, fence. Right. Yeah. So if it's a neighborhood, there is likely going to be some rules and regulations from the homeowners association that discuss <laughs> the type of fence you're allowed to put up. And that's where I would start. Um, my guess is there is a provision somewhere in those regulations or the homeowners association guides that say you can't put up a barbed wire fence. If not specifically, then by definition, they will define the types of fences that are permitted. And, you know, I would wonder why they're putting up a barbed wire fence, but yeah, that's uh, what I want to know. Okay, too. Like, I already thought of it. That? Doomsday forever. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. What, what, what if it's usually you don't to have keep a... something in or out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe what if you, you don't have an HOA? 
Uh, if you don't have an HOA, I would then, then you just, you know what? I don't know. I'd have to do the research on, uh, on the general zoning rules. <laughs> yeah. The zoning rules for the County or the city or the township where she lives. And we can Maybe. see if uh, there's a barbed wire fence provision. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Like if you're going to move to like an unincorporated area and you're going to build like a big ass house and like, this is going to be your property, make sure you get to know who's living next door. You because can that, have yeah. goats. And I was thinking that when you said trying to keep something in and out, uh, our friends in Dublin just live in a normal Dublin area and their neighbors had goats and the goats got out and one charged their door and went into their house. Damn, my pooped buddy Dino's. all <laughs> yes, over their bed, right. pooped all over their bed. Uh, they It was running all around their house, no, breaking Dino's, everything. Dino's like wrestled all four years at yes. Finley. I mean, like, you know, he's fought MMA, won several times here. You know, he's he's been competing in jujitsu. The, the, goat put his head down and was going to ram his kid and yeah. dinos had to go one-on-one with the goat it was, I mean, it was it insane was, i wish there was video of that i, oh, I hate to say are you it kidding me? i would i would pay such high dollar and have everyone over to my house i would buy one of those projection <laughs> things and do it in my backyard it would be great yeah so kim there might be goats good luck yeah she maybe she's keeping goats in or keeping goats oh. out i don't know sorry that's my dog in the background barking oh, that um, was amazing rick played oh a God. goat screaming and then your dog got do really it. intense do it again Oh, there he is. Oh, <laughs> well, he doesn't like it. He's going to bite Steve, oh, maybe. I mean, like, yeah. I want to be responsible. Steve so, might sue me. If somebody walked into the studio. <laughs> I can see the dog get up. He's running. He's, he's looking like, all over what? the place. It's, he's like McGruff. Yeah. yeah what kind of dog do you have, Steve? Uh, that's a fox red Labrador retriever. He acts like the bark sounds very vicious, but you know the danger is he might actually lick you to death, and that's about it. Oh, he looks. He's a good looking <laughs> Wait, dog. One more goat scream. Hey, your little dog. He's a good looking dog. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's not going to hurt you. But I tell you that that goat story he's couldn't cool. be better. He's cute. Oh, that goat story is fantastic, and uh, Rick thinks he's Demo from Fast Times right now. All right, we're gonna go. Thank you so much, Steve Palmer. You are such a blessing when it comes to legal advice. If people want to get in touch with you off the air, you know it, people are back to normal. Uh, things are happening. DUI everything's happening and if you get caught in a situation you need to talk to steve and how do they do that steve yeah it's real simple everybody take out your phone and put this number in it right now 614-224-6142 we got a new answering service they will connect you any time of day or night they'll track me down if you need your help or if uh, you need my help uh, or you can look us up at ohiolegaldefense.com you can send a question that way uh, if you want to check out the podcast it's uh, lawyertalkpodcast.com all right steve thanks so much buddy hey thank you all right, back from the Blitz interface, uh, another good round of questions. Uh, great stuff, really. I mean, the vaccine question with employers, that's coming. Uh, there's going to be more and more litigation about it. And uh, I'm going to promise uh, and commit to doing some background legal research on the topic so we can give it a real thorough analysis. I know we've discussed it before. Uh, my premonition is that uh, it, the, the government's going to step in and they are not going to prevent employers from forcing vaccination on employees, in fact, they're going to they're going to encourage it either directly or indirectly. That's my that's my take on it. I mean, what what else can I say about the goat story? That's just a great story. Um, as far as the workers' comp situation, uh, I think that sort of speaks for itself. Once you if you're injured in the course of your employment, uh, it goes to a workers' comp claim, and there's all sorts of things that can happen. I mean, I have had tons and tons of calls over the years about folks looking for help in workers' comp. And almost always they have tried to start the process on their own. And I, I got to tell you, it's just, it, it, administrative law like that has gotten so complicated. All you have to do is look at what's going on around us. I mean, you've got uh, the CDC as an administrative agency, and it's gotten so complex, and they have so much power and authority that it's difficult to navigate through it. The Bureau of Workers' Comp is no different. So I would say the best thing you can do if you were injured in uh, the, the course and scope of your employment 
is get a workers' comp attorney. And how do you find one? Well, that's easy enough. You just give me a shout, 614-224-6142. I can make the referral. I'll make the introduction, and you will be well taken care of. And I guess to the extent like the question we had today, uh, you may end up with a situation where it's it's maybe sort of half personal injury or partially personal injury, and that's where Dave Goldstein can step in and help us analyze uh, where do you go, workers' comp, personal injury, insurance, what pool of money are we looking to get? Um, so uh, that'll sort of wrap up the Blitz segment. And as promised before, I, I, I'm going to answer a question that I got at lawyertalkpodcast.com. Somebody was convicted of a crime. Uh, they want to appeal. Uh, and, and again, just to recap, I, I've seen a lot of this lately where people have just, there's just been a lot of trials and that means more convictions. That means more people looking to appeal. And I found over the years that some of the most confusing stuff is the terminology and the way lawyers and the people and the TV people and whoever talk about the appellate process. And I'm going to simplify it real quick in about five, 10 minutes, maybe less. So when you just got convicted after a jury trial of a crime, or if the judge were the uh, trier of fact, you didn't have a jury, you waived that, um, or even in minor misdemeanor traffic offenses or misdemeanors, you can have uh, you have a right to appeal. It's called a direct appeal. The direct appeal goes up to the court of appeals in the county where the conviction happened. Now, here's the deadline. After you're convicted and sentenced, once that sentencing entry is filed, you have to file something called a notice of appeal. You're telling the world that you are hereby appealing the decision. Now, once you're on direct appeal, it's important to sort of figure out what you can and can't do, uh, or maybe what it is and what it isn't. It is not another trial. You don't get another bite at the apple. You don't get to call witnesses on appeal. You don't get to have uh, evidence presented on your behalf on appeal. What we do when people come and they, they talk to us about the appellate process, uh, they get uh, a version like this. I tell them, look, we're going to get the record of the trial court. That means we're going to get the transcript. We're going to get the, the exhibits that were presented. We're going to get uh, all the things that were filed and challenged on your behalf. And, and the transcript is probably the most important. That's when the court reporter up front is taking down everything that's being said in the courtroom, all the things that the lawyers are saying, that the judge is saying, that even the jurors are saying to some extent. Uh, and we're going to read it. And we're going to look for mistakes. So if you were to go play a, a game, a board game, there are rules on the back that you would read. And you would read those rules and follow the rules. Well, sometimes it gets a little gray. Say if you're playing Monopoly, somebody says you can put two houses on one property uh, and only one on the other or something like that. And maybe the rules say something about it, but it's not so clear. Um, and you just make a decision. This is how it's going to be. And say you call mom or dad and mom or dad says, nope, you can do it or you can't. That's like a trial. So somebody says objection during trial. Uh, you're not allowed to do this. And the judge is mom or dad in that scenario. And they say, no, you can do it. Or the judge says, yes, you can do it. Or no, you can't. And that's a legal decision that was made. That's the stuff we're looking for on appeal. If they make a mistake like that, if the court lets evidence in that they shouldn't, if they don't let evidence in that they should, um, that's the kind of stuff we're looking for. Um, there's other things too. So if your lawyer was so ineffective that it was just a horrible job and it fell below normal lawyering, uh, you might have a, a, a reversible error there. And so we're arguing legal mistakes, not necessarily factual mistakes. I guess sometimes you can you can maybe argue um, that the, the evidence was just so insufficient or it was just so grossly against uh, the weight of everything that happened. In other words, the conviction was against the manifest weight of the evidence. 
And in a limited situation like that, the Court of Appeals can actually send you back to the trial court and say, guess what? This is reversed, and this guy is discharged. He is not guilty. Let him go. But most of the time, people ask all the time, and, and it's, it's worthy of addressing, what happens if I win my appeal? Well, that means you go back and you get a do-over. So you get to play the Monopoly game again if the prosecutor wants to, to present the case again. So it gets confusing. There's a lot going on with the appellate process, but that's a little snippet of uh, breaking it down, I think, pretty simply. Um, if you've just been convicted and you want to appeal, it starts with a notice of appeal. Then we get the record. Then we write up documents like a big report. We call it a brief that uh, outlines all the things that uh, we believe they did wrong at trial. And we're requesting the Court of Appeals to send it back to the trial court uh, and mostly for a new trial, sometimes just for a full-out discharge so you walk away free. Um, so anyway, that was a great question we got there at uh, the Lawyer Talk podcast website. Uh, and with that, i got to wrap it up for the day. We have been uh, uh, a little short-staffed and busy, so unfortunately we do have a real job, or I do have a real job to do as a lawyer in court uh, handling cases. And to that end, if you need some help, give us a shout. You can look us up at ohiolegaldefense.com or call us at 614-224-6142. Uh, a couple other things going on. Comedians on South High, probably recording here at the studio tonight. You should check that out. Comedians on South High podcast. Uh, Jason Banks touring the country and killing it all over. Uh, he's selling merchandise left and right. He's packing the houses like no comedy clubs have ever seen. Maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but not much. Uh, and uh, if you have a chance to go check him out live, please do it. You can look him up at Jason Banks Comedy. And then even better, or maybe as good, rather, uh, check him out on TikTok. Uh, he's killing it there, too. He's got an enormous following. Millions of folks are, um, are into him, and uh, for good reason. So check that out. Uh, if, As always, if, if you want your own podcast, you think you got the chops, or you want to learn the chops to uh, disseminate your own podcast, we can help. We got Brett with Circle 270 Media. Uh, hooking us up with, in the podcast world. We got Freddie B making it sound good, and we got uh, Photo Dan uh, making it look good. So you can check that at channel511.com or hit me up anywhere else you can find me, and uh, we'll get you pointed in the right direction. Uh, so that has been another riveting episode of Lawyer Talk Blitz Wednesday off the record, on the air, at least until now.